We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by pioneer Ford Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Sure is. Charlie. You're back back after having uh, a little procedure last week. Yes. How'd that go? Yeah, good. It was great. You're good. (laughs) Well, your voice went up about five octaves then. Yeah. (laughs) Are you you well? Yes, I think so. Right. As well as I can possibly be. This is true. You're working though. You're not in isolation or anything now, are you? No, no. Right. So you're back at work. Yep. Are you busy? Uh, Yesterday was fairly busy. Yeah, but the days before weren't. It was was good. What have you been up to, Jane? Um, Well, not a great deal, to be be honest. We were locked Mm. away last week because the kids had the sniffles and normally, you know, you don't worry about the sniffles. Mm. But given... The state of play right now, we did worry about the sniffle, so we locked ourselves away and I went and had a little COVID test. Oh, that was, would have been yeah. good. Mm. Oh, delightful. But you know what? The test that women have to go through anyway, a COVID test is nothing, let's be honest. Um, well, you know what's uh, annoying for me is uh, I get hay fever super bad. So I just went for a walk just now this morning with Harley and I was sneezing like anything and people were looking at me going, Mm, it's quite okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And I think that's what it was with me last week. You know that really windy day we had? Yeah. Yeah, it was severe hay fever. But when you do get hay fever, as you would know, it just gives you a headache and it makes you feel awful. Yeah. So I thought normally you wouldn't worry about it, but because I was coughing and sneezing and watery eyes and tired and didn't have a sense of smell, took myself yeah. off the test. And it was really quick. I went in in the morning and by... That was the Wednesday, and then by the Friday morning, I had my test results. So that was all fine. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Um, we are going to talk to Ali a bit later on about the border closures or the border. Or the extension. The extension. Finally, yeah. we'll chat to her about that and also about the state of emergency. But first of all, you've been working on something pretty exciting. Yes. And you're going to be there. Well, yeah, I have to be here to yeah. drive. <laughs> <laughs> and are you okay virtual cuppa yes Does that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's for are you okay day but because uh, that's not a cup of tea it's a cup of coffee it's still a cuppa yeah. anyway because we obviously can't get together and do stuff we were going to have a bit of a run or a walk uh down to the uh, community center mm. that's not going to happen now and when i say we uh, i'm talking about uh rest network which is um Rumbale Euston Suicide Prevention Network. Uh, so we were going to do something out in the open, but that's not going to happen. So what we're doing now is we're partnering up with RUAK, uh, well, the RUAK Day people, mm-hmm. and having a virtual cuppa. Yeah. So we're going to have some people coming in, aren't we, Jay? I think we've got <laughs> one confirmed guest. I don't know, you're working on the other one. <laughs> Yeah, we may have some others as well. We may even have one. Um, so Are You Okay have a lot of community ambassadors that they like to hire out, I suppose, to different outlets um, to promote. So we may have someone lined up the week before, which is next week, which yeah. is exciting. Um, also next week we've got Trevor Monson, who's the B-man. That's also pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, we, we will have some guests. So the deal is, and I think you failed to mention this, it's a podcast live event. Oh. So you'll be able to buy tickets to it. It's a ticketed event to raise a bit of money for the local Robinvale Euston Suicide Prevention Network, which is what Charlie refers to as RESP, and that's fine, but probably needs a little more. Ex- I said Robinvale. You said, you said you RESP. Said- no, you didn't. Did you? I oh, think we're fine. fine. When we go back through the footage, uh, <laughs> someone will be right, and it's definitely me. <laughs> Oh, it's always you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can jump on. We've also launched a new website, which is pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're on Facebook, firstly, go to the Facebook page, uh, which is, again, it's, I think if you just search uh, Rumbale Houston Suicide Prevention or even RESP, it should come up on uh, Facebook. So follow like that so we can get it out to as many people as we can. Uh, and you can also go to uh, respreventionpreventioncomau uh, mm-hmm. That's right, isn't it, Jay? Yes, Charlie, that is right. And you can buy your tickets for the event there. So yeah, there's pe- a link there. Yeah, people that have um, tickets to the event, it's only five bucks um, mm-hmm. because making it a gold coin donation is kind of hard when it's an online platform and yeah. you have to pay fees anyway. So it's $5 for a ticket and um, you can get on and support the cause that way and it should be a good night. It'll be just like eavesdropping on on someone's conversation, I suppose. Are we allowed to say who the local guest is, Charlie, or will we leave that till next week? Ah, leave it till next week. We'll leave it till next week. We'll yeah. leave everyone hanging. Teaser. Yeah, it's a teaser. <laughs> wow. Look at you yeah. and the industry. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, but also check out the website because uh, it has got... Uh, a lot of links to some helpful stuff as well as the Facebook page. So check those out. And Charlie's the chairman, which we've also failed to mention. Yeah. <laughs> well, could you get a little bit more? Where's your energy today? Oh, well, had a busy day yesterday, been for a walk. Got hay fever. Hey, yeah. when you were out walking, did you come across any magpies? No, thank God. Are you... F- yeah. Petrified of them as well? No, uh, not but no. I just be with a head yeah. like that. I get pretty easy. Well, like you've got, <laughs> there's no protection there. I wear a hat. I wear actually. This is the hat that I wear. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Good. Hat. I thought you were going to pull out one of those. Like no, it's definitely not going to. Like we're not with that hat. No, that's good. Am concerned though because uh, yeah, they say that magpies remember your face and yeah. they won't sweep you if you've been walking past here the whole time. But now that we're all wearing masks, apparently. They don't recognise you anymore. That's a good point. Mm. Good point. Go for a run so you don't have to wear a mask. Yeah. There you go. But then when you slow down and you can't catch your breath, you've got to put the mask on. No, if you're still breathing hard, you don't have to. I'm sure you'll be fine. And, of course, there's that scope. They will give you a warning. Oh. As long as you don't mask on you. Yeah. News for the Vale with State Member for Mildura, Ali Kappa. Not with me, Nova 100's Nicole Gunn from Coronavirus Central of Melbourne, but these podcasters from Robinvale. G'day, Ali. Hey, how you doing? Good. Ali, you're looking all fresh-faced and beautiful yeah. this morning. I expected you to see you with, like, tired eyes and a scotch in your hand by this stage. <laughs> well, um, no, it's just coffee. Oh, good. There you go. Equivalent to scotch. No, it's not. That's a lie. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it an Irish coffee in that cup? <laughs> it, it might be. I don't know. A I'll keep you guessing. Depends on, you'll know, depending on how chirpy I get through the interview. <laughs> oh, Ali, you're always chirpy when you talk to us. We're all friends here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. You ain't seen nothing compared to me on the scotch. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually just having a conversation with Carolyn Martinison, who's at Network House today, to do um, some grants, grant writing to help Jack yeah. out. And she was saying, I don't know if you know Carolyn, but she was saying she only ever drinks Forex and she drinks it every day. She has like, yeah. Four yeah, I know. I was like, oh my God, I want to be around you when you've had four Forex stubbies. <laughs> Right. She's a Queenslander. Queensland. Yeah, she's a Queenslander. So I was like, uh, the best. Yeah, I'm yeah. Good. No, that's good. They, they drink it like iced coffee over there. Well, yeah, she said it's like lolly water and that's all she drinks. Yeah, yeah. Well, each to their own. Hey, um, some exciting news yesterday with the yes. book opening up. Oh, my goodness. Thank God. Well, New South Wales, Victoria. Let's not get – what's going We're on excited. with Australia? Uh Look, I, I don't know. So, yeah, so good good news about, so New South Wales first, so that's good because um, although we haven't seen the actual legislation yet, it's based on what, based on Barilaro's statement, it sounds very much like we're going to have the old C permit, mm. which, which, which was based on postcode. So if you live on the cross border within that, that zone, uh, 50 kilometres, it's not the best in the world, but it's a lot better than 2.5 kilometres, mm. which is where we got to before. Um, and and so if you live in the cross-border zone, then the purpose is irrelevant. You can just cross over. That's what it sounds like. We haven't seen the actual final, like the official detail yet, but that's how he was talking, so that's a good thing. Um, in terms of the South Australian border, um, they're reintroducing the 40-kilometre cross-border zone, we, we think, um, which is okay, but it's still subject to a COVID test every seven days. Um, you know, it's, it's still going to be, you know, very narrow purposes for travel. So, you know, so, but, but, it's, but it's better. It's, it's yeah. better than nothing. We get that. So, you know, we, we think it'll at least cover food, fuel and medical. Well, that's positive because if it doesn't cover medical, then getting that COVID test every seven days is going to be really difficult. Well, 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 that's right. I mean, but but the, uh, it, this is one of the things. That, yeah. So, so the COVID test on is on the Murrayville side. So they're having to get their COVID tests in Victoria. Right. Um, but the issue is the Victorian rules are you can't have a test if you're asymptomatic. Uh. So, so that presented an issue. So I. I don't know exactly how it's been going, but I'm, I'm assuming people just have to have symptoms when they go to get their COVID test in order to, so it's just, I mean, the whole thing, like it's just a, it's been an absolute nightmare. And, and the other thing is too, that, you know, we've got, we've got an, an um, a population of people, you know, I know to some of the teenage kids, for example, I heard a story about one teenage kid, he's just freaking out about getting a test, doesn't want to get a test, mm. you know, because it's a, it's an invasive, you know, like through in your nose, you know, in your back of your throat. Um, and then you've got an elderly population too, you know, Murrayville's an ageing population and they're really reluctant to have to submit themselves to the test. And not only do they have to do it once, but every single seven days, you know, it's just a, and, and for what? You know, it's not as if yeah. we've had massive clusters in Murrayville. Well, that's yeah. exactly. What are the case numbers in Murrayville again? Oh, yeah, pretty pretty low, pretty <laughs> low and stable. Yeah, exactly. And Pinaroo, Pinaroo's numbers are 
Yeah. Grow, aren't they? I know. I know. And and this is the, this is the thing that uh, w- w- was interesting to the reactions we were getting yesterday. Like people are still angry and upset that they were put through this at all like it's it's not like okay now that the rules of now that we're sort of starting to ease out of the restrictions or so we think still not good enough you know we need to have a big conversation as a country um you know in terms of how we treat each other in a crisis yeah you know um at some point surely you know, we, we, we need to do what is proportionate to risk. There needs to be limits on the extent to which we can turn our backs on each other mm. um, in the context of a federation. What um, do you think about um, the extension of the um, state of emergency? <laughs> yeah, so the, the extension of the state of emergency, like, I, you know, I, I can understand why a government would be interested in doing that. You know, I mean, Victor, first thing to, to, to keep in mind is that other than Western Australia, all of the other states have no cap on, on the, the length of time you can declare a state of emergency for. Yeah. Oh. So it's open Yeah, it's open-ended. Right. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, but yeah. I, so, I feel so like, that's, that's I feel like people thing. are getting confused. People yeah, are getting so confused with the state of emergency and being in lockdown, like stage three. Like it's not going to be, it's not the same thing. No, no, that's right. So, so that's the first thing to, to understand. So when people are sort of saying, oh, you know, this is the first step towards fascism and whatever, it's like, look, I've been to South Australia within the last few years and there's not Nazis work, walking the streets, <laughs> you know, like as far as I can tell. You know, Queensland's the same. There's, it's not a jackboot state. Yeah, you Queensland. Know, like, so, 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 so basically um, I don't think there's anything to be scared of in terms of the government's proposal. What All they're saying is, look, this is the most efficient way we can manage it because it means we don't have to keep coming back to Parliament um, yeah. for permission to, to you know, um, essentially wind up any rules that we need to wind up according to risk. It's only going to be based on what the Chief Health Officer says. They've got a responsibility to, to be able to, you know, based on health science. So basically administratively and, and from an efficiency point of view, it just makes sense. The government say we want another 12 months. We're still going to have a capped period. We're not going to go, we're not asking for it to be open-ended like the other states have. Yeah. Still a capped period, but we just want it to be a bigger capped period because it's likely we're going to need that flexibility to wind up or down those um, those settings until a vaccine's found. And, and that's yeah. more likely than not going to be another 12 months down the track. So, so I'm not scared of what the government's proposing. And I certainly don't think it's a step towards Nazism. I think that that is like crazy talk. But my view is that with, with, a, with, a, populate, with a state that is, is, has been through the ringer well and truly is fatigued, um, feels that it's made a lot of concessions already in terms of democracy and, and parliamentary sittings and all those sorts of things that that we just need to make sure that um we we have we have um you know more more scrutiny not less at this point in time so so that you know i think that three month intervals where where you know the chief health officer would have to come back bring parliament in say you know do you approve here's my rationale for needing that extra time for another three months we say yes and it continues that way. So I think the what I was hearing yesterday just from people in the community was their concerns were not about the stage three or stage four restrictions. I think the people that I was speaking to understand that they were concerned about yet yeah, not having that level of scrutiny about the yeah. power being with the chief health officer and the premier to mm-hmm. 
make the decisions and not have to come back to parliament. And that was the concern there that because country people, regional, rural people have all felt like they've been getting the raw end of the stick. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Now, because as you've been saying for months and you did say months ago, the, the, you know, the restrictions have to be proportionate to the risk, especially mm. where we are, um, yeah. and they're not at the moment. So for that to continue, you know, we want things to get better because now everyone is so tired. The second mm-hmm. time around, people are just really struggling now and we need things to get better, not for things to be in the hands of essentially two people really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, look, I, I agree, and, and that's why I'm not supporting it. You know, I mean, uh, but 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 again, and I I just um I think what's important is for, uh you know, for us to debate the merits of this, um based on the facts. You know, we need to. You, it's that adage: you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. That's right. <laughs> there, there there is there is one set of facts, and the facts are that this is what the proposal is. Mm. Um, now let's discuss it. Mm. You know, as as opposed to sort of you know, and and there was, and this and this is I think what one of the things that the government's concerned about that that if they have to keep coming back every three months, that just opens the way for politicisation of it. You know, yeah. that there's going to be people with with different agendas deliberately making it sound worse than it is, or giving information that's not correct. And there was a bit of that even this time. You know, saying that this is going to mean um, a lock, you know, stage four lockdown no questions asked for the next 12 months yeah that, that that's that's just scurrilous and mischievous no 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 political party should be saying that because it is just it is just willfully dishonest mm. and i think that's that's why the government i'm assuming that's one of the things the government wants to avoid every three months and i get it like i get that from an efficiency point of view would be much easier for 12 months but i just don't think the government is reading the room in terms of where people are at emotionally yeah, I don't think the government's been reading the room for the last three months, really, particularly since the border closures came in, you know, along the river here. Mm. It could be a lot better reading the room, but I think they've struggled to do that throughout their whole term. Um, and and we feel it up here. You know, people are frustrated, especially when the Chris Taylor um, story broke you know, last week when he was told by bureaucrats, and again, this is the, there is a massive difference between government and and the bureaucracy. But he was told by bureaucrats to put his sheep and hay on a plane in Melbourne. Oh, like, I, I know. You know, it's just people are feeling like, like again, they've been forgotten up here, and yeah. and that's uh, I think that's that's the concern that people have at the moment. But again, people that that understand how a whole system works, how the state of emergency works and how that delegates power to different people and the state of disaster and how that delegates power, different and more powers to police, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they're okay with that, but it is. I don't think it's the time or place for any politicising yeah. of these issues. And, I, again, when you talk to people that are engaged with process and, and politics and all that kind of thing, they're getting annoyed with, like Anthony Albanese was on Sunrise this morning, just mm. doing the whole dig, but, dig, dig, like it's an election year. And you kind so of go, did, well, ScoMo, ScoMo yesterday, we've, he had a dig at a good, fairly good dig at Daniel Andrews. Did he? I didn't see it. Mm. So. Mm. Council day yesterday, I was switched off. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, yeah. Look, I, that that's right. I mean, look, I think that um, what the, the key thing in, in in the discussions, especially when everyone is in a very emotional place, because this is this is one of the key things. But when when you're tired and emotional, whether you're talking about you know yourself as a in an individual situation, like you're a parent, if you're tired and emotional, you're going to be less patient with your kids. Same with on a collective level. If a state is tired and emotional, they're, they're going to be less able to think logically through any problem or situation. The government needs to recognise that and the government needs to read the room and say, well, look, you know, people are going to be less likely um, to, to um, have an appetite for blank checks at this point in time. We have, we have drawn down so much on the community's level of, of energy and patience here we, we, we need to just understand that though though the politicisation is a risk, we're just going to have to manage that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but but I think it's also it's also important for us as citizens to to be aware and conscious of our own fatigue and mm. say, look, this might be affecting our ability to to hear facts as yeah. well, and that 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 we have an obligation as well to, to really pay attention to those facts, to not just jump to the emotional part of our brains and it's all opinions, 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 opinions without really taking the time to hear what the, the, the facts are. Mm. Um, because otherwise, otherwise what happens is we start to, that's when our democracy starts to unravel because democracy only works if there are certain truths that we can all agree on or acknowledge, accept, you mm. know, and then we do the arguing and the debate about the merits of, of what we need to do next. Um, but, yeah, the, one of the things that I've, I've found really, really worried, so I'll, t- I'll tell you this, like, little tiny story, right? So so since I've been elected, you know, I, I have situations where people will say to me, I bet when you were elected Ellie, you never expected this, you know, <laughs> and they're usually, and they're usually things like, you know, how much driving I have to do, you know, or how, how geographically big the electorate is. I know things that I kind of was aware of. You know. that you would be aware of. <laughs> I know, and usually you kind of go, yeah, 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 but, but I did expect that, mm. you know. Um, but yesterday was my moment and I said to my chief of staff, it's like this is the moment where I honestly did not think I would be doing this when I was elected. And, and this is what I was doing yesterday at my computer. I had Googled the rise of fascism. Oh! <gasps> right? Oh, I and, just literally got goosebumps. Yeah. And the reason why I did that was because Jimmy had come into me through the day and he's like, Ali, I'm going mental. On Twitter, on, we're getting all of this feedback. We're seeing it all over Facebook, you know, all over social media about people saying that the proposal in relation to the emergency powers is the first step towards fascism. And I'm like, how would people, I, I, I was, I, I almost said, it's like, I feel like what I need to do is remind people what Nazism looked like and it didn't look like this. Yeah, no, it no. didn't look like no. this. No, very, very different things. This is not Nazism. And if you think this is a step even towards Nazism, even on that spectrum, you need a history lesson. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. we are becoming, we are losing perspective here. Um, on on truth, we're, we're we're blurring the lines between fantasy and reality, and that is a big that there's your big threat to democracy. Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I was reading about the rise of fascism because I was trying to work out why are people making the why are people joining these dots here. Like, and and I was looking at 
at the um, at some of you know the early stages, you know, of when when Hitler took over the Nazis, you know, basically you know managed to get into Parliament and stuff, and, and the sorts of rules they were changing, and they they were changing rules like um, you know basically putting uh, putting all vesting all power in Hitler um, or in the Nazi Party. Um, in, Basically, it was an it was a really light trigger to trigger that. Like you only had to have some sort of an emergency, and then you could suddenly, basically, all power would be vested in him, and he could just take over like an autocrat. Yep. And so people are obviously reading that and going, "Well, that's what Daniel Andrews is doing." <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. And, and there's so much nuance in there that people are missing. Like, I mean, for example, Hitler before he got there, he had a, a major pattern in history on the record of blaming, you know, of, of talking about this. Um, you know, Judeo-Christian, effeminate, liberal democracy system that was just that was creating all of people's problems and was destroying the world. And he was blaming Jews for it. And so he had he had a whole pattern in history of showing tendencies towards demonising people, um, autocratic rule, undermining democracy. Right, all of that pattern. Daniel Andrews doesn't have a history of that. No. None of those signs or red flags are there. And the the, the key point is, and I've been trying to say this because to some people who who I've engaged with about this conspiracy thinking, that even if you think that Jenny McCarkos has done a terrible job, the fact you can express that on social media shows we ain't a fascist state. Exactly. Right? Exactly. The, the, the fact that there is still an, an election scheduled for November 2022 when you can vote them out shows that we're not a fascist state. Yeah. I, I will start to agree with you. If, if they start saying things like all Jews are responsible for the pandemic, <laughs> if, da- if Daniel Andrews says that... <laughs> Then I'll start to, if Daniel Andrews says we are cancelling the the election in in, in November 2022, when Daniel Andrews says that I am basically vesting all power and decision-making in me and Parliament's not sitting for another three years, then I'll have a listen to your argument. Hey, do you think that, um, and I had the same thought, if they start calling off elections and things, because there was talk about local government elections not going ahead in October, And my thought around that was I think they will still go ahead even though the campaigning might be, you know, not not what it could be, particularly for the inner city local governments and all that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. You think that's why the new Minister for Local Government has pushed on with because they don't want to start delaying elections and adding fuel to the fire? Yeah, look, I... I I think so. I mean, even if it wasn't the motivation, I reckon it's one of the benefits, yeah. you know, that they're, that they're pressing ahead to sort of close off that that um, you know avenue of, of suspicion. You know, I, I think I think that's a good thing. Look, I, you know, in, in terms of local government election, you're right. I think it's more the inner city stuff where it's basically like it, it, it's basically like a state election campaign or a federal yeah. election campaign. Like it's literally a battle between the parties, you know, and and mm. so they're, they're they're door knocking and they're doing all of that. Look, we don't. That's not something that happens you know well not much I have no plan to do that anyway (laughs) (laughs) no so um and and also you know the the mail ballot thing like that's just kind of what we do you know um one of the things that I've thought actually is that if I mean one of the good things about the pandemic (laughs) it's a short list right (laughs) But but one of the good things about the pandemic is it's really um 
I think helped us become much more sophisticated in terms of Zoom. Like before the pandemic, I would have had no idea how to, it would have blown my mind the idea I'd be doing an interview like this with you guys. Yeah, mm. I, I wouldn't have known how to do it, and and it makes me think that you know the next person who runs for the seat of Mallee, and 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 those poor bastards, as we know, those candidates have always got to contend with the fact that the Mallee's basically a third of Victoria. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's not like you're going from city to city where you can fly. You've got to drive the whole bloody thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's really difficult because, you know, you don't have, you know, people, anyway, I reckon that what's going to be good is, is this new Zoom world where you can start to engage. You can, you can have candidates forums, for example, mm. um, yeah. you, you, um, via Zoom where you can have like 300 people clicking in um, to watch, um, and then you can, and, and the candidates are going to be. I think it's an equaliser because not all candidates can afford the fuel or the time off work to 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 go all across the countryside. And then then you've got the issue where a lot of people in your your electorate that you're campaigning for never get to know who you are. Yeah. So that's yeah. not good for democracy. Mm. Um, so so I think that in some ways these platforms are going to be a real equaliser for for those sorts of um, uh, elections. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so there's pros and cons, but um, but yeah, I think it's very good that the local government elections are going ahead as planned. Yeah, hey, Ali, uh, what are we now? Is that like twenty days for the base to be handed over? Twenty. Oh yeah, twenty days. So yeah. I missed the meeting last night because I got called back into work and uh, I didn't have time to do an apology either. So no, no, that's that's fine, Charlie. No worries at all. Um, no, it was a great meeting last night. Um, you know, we got some of the, the results from the, the survey, you know, um, with, with people's, you know, the, the, the top things that people are interested in, in terms of services, you know, all the things that we expected. Services for kids was a, yeah. was a big one. Um, you know, GP access was another one. Um, we, we obviously GP access or GP issues are primarily with the, the federal government, but certainly collaboration between GPs, you know, better integration between the hospital yeah. and GPs is important um, because so much of healthcare relies on open communication channels between different yeah. providers and so, um, and cancer and cardiac, you know, always, yeah. always up Big there ones. as well. Um, yeah, so, and mental health. So, so that was, that was really good. And then this morning, and, um, which was very exciting, uh, Stephen and Jimmy and I were able to have a Zoom meeting. It was like a formal introduction to um, Terry Welsh, um, the okay. new um, public hospital CEO who comes uh, so highly recommended from Maryborough, um, and Mary Rydberg, who's the new uh, chair. Yeah. Which was great. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I was there like this the whole time. <laughs> like I was just so so excited you know it's just such a moment and and i truly truly believe that um you know this 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 project will lay the foundations for a, a healthcare system that is going to be far more responsive to all of our needs and it's, it's what we deserve uh, yeah. as i've said from the beginning if this was such a good model why wasn't everyone asking for one yeah and no one was asking for one no that's right yeah pleasing for that that's exciting though if it's only yeah. that's come around so I feel like that's come around so quickly. I know, I know, me too. I know. And 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 can you imagine? Like, I mean, this is this is um I think something worth noting. You know, it was last August when when the announcement happened about the hospital, you know, coming back to, to public hands, and they set the deadline for um, the 15th of September. You know, our first COVID case didn't happen until January. 
right? So so in August last year, I, I as far as I know anyway, unless there was some evidence I didn't know, but we didn't know <laughs> that COVID would happen the way it's happened. And we certainly yeah. didn't expect a second wave. Mm. And 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 between and so for for our healthcare bureaucrats in the department, I know that they're under a lot of heat at the moment because of, you know, and for valid reasons about the, the hotel quarantine um, failings. Um, but they, they got one thing right, <laughs> and that was their ability to pull this project off. Yeah. To be able yeah. to make sure that that 15th of September deadline will be met. Yeah. Um, and you've you got to hand it to them. Like, that, that, is, that is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, yeah, so very exciting. Yeah, it is quite extraordinary that this has still happened. I was waiting for an announcement that it would have to be uh, delayed due to COVID as everything has been yeah. due to COVID. So, I was, so were we. We, we oh. were just, I know. But this is amazing. So, hooray. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> both of you. That's been good. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Wow, your energy levels today are astounding, Charles. I, had a, I did have a big day yesterday. I know, I know, I know. Ali, thanks so much for everything that you're doing to help out our little part of the world at the moment and for sparing us some time today to have a chat about it because it's been a while. It's everyone... a pleasure. It has been a while, yeah, yeah. Well, again, we, we, we love Robin Vale. We can't wait to get back. We'll, we'll do that as soon as we can. We were there like felt just about every week for a while there. Yeah, yeah. You have to tune into the RUAK uh, virtual cuppa in a couple of weeks. A cup of a cuppa. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, no, it's a thing we're doing with um, the Rombal Euston Suicide Prevention Network. Oh, Um, brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So it's an RUAK day thing. So on the 10th of September, you can, Jade will have a link on the Bail podcast, I'd say. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She is going to have one now, so... No, that sounds great. Thanks so much. I would love to. It's a great, great initiative. Um, and yeah, anything I can do to help would be delighted. Great. Well, you can go to the website, buy a ticket for you and Jimmy and Stevie and everybody else in the office. Yeah. Oh my good. That's great. Awesome. Permit yeah. yeah. Well, keep us up to date because again, it's one of the, the border opening up again is one of those things that we don't have rules around yet we don't exactly know the mechanics of how it's going to work out which is how these announcements have been rolled out but i'm guessing in the next week or so we will have so keep us up to date yes for sure no worries jade and charlie thanks for having me no worries see you later when you're running a small business there's nothing small about it at all and right now you've probably got lots on your mind but you don't have to worry about your ford because your regional ford dealer is still open and ready to help. With strict health and safety measures in place, whether you need a new car, parts or service. So to keep your business moving, visit ford.com.au. News for the Vale with Federal Member for Mallee, Dr Anne Webster. Not with me, Nova 100's Nicole Gunn from Coronavirus Central of Melbourne, but these podcasters from Robinvale. Anne Webster, how are you? Oh, look, you know, I'm not so drunk, but um, <laughs> I am. I have been working very hard, as you know, uh, because clearly for Mali, it's not just the New South Wales border, it's also the South Australian border, and there's been a lot of grief uh, being lived out by a lot of people. It's just been... 
look, I hate to use the word, and 2020 is just going to be that year which we're forever going to ban the word unprecedented, but honestly, it has been. It has been, and it doesn't really look like it's going to get any better anytime soon, but an easing of restrictions will certainly help border communities. You're in Canberra at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I am. Down to the chamber um, soon for question time. And uh, look, lots and lots of issues. I've just done another post this morning um, about the Premier Andrews scheme to increase the length of the state of emergency, which uh, we've had a lot of people contacting uh, me, contacting the office, very distressed, very angry Mm. um, for what they see as being unjustified uh, control. And, uh, yeah, so, look, I cannot agree with them more. Mm. I think that is the concern too, isn't it, that that if it's not open to scrutiny, if he doesn't have to be scrutinised for another 18 yeah. months, then things can get very dangerous. At least that's that's what the concern that we're hearing is. Councillor Bill Moore, our Mayor, did wish to pass on uh, his thanks in particular for your role in the cross-border job and everything that you're doing with us at the moment. He did ask me to pass that on to you personally right now. So thank you, Anne. Oh. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate that. Look, people are grateful. I mean, it just proves to me um, the goodwill of the people of Mali in general and the, you know, the reasonableness that is found in Mali. Um, People just want to see a go. They want to be able to get on with their lives. They don't mind restraints or restrictions provided there is justified, you know, they're justified. And uh, that issue about transparency, about the evidence, uh, which we are not seeing, the medical evidence that justifies the stage three restrictions and also, therefore, the follow-on from our state counterparts who have uh, closed borders and made life just horrible for mm. people for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we need answers and we need to have um we need to have the Victorian government be accountable to the people that elected them. The restrictions need to be proportionate to the risk. And up That's here right, right now, there is very little risk. What's your thoughts on, do you think these stage three restrictions, at least for Melbourne, first of all, it's a two-part question, do you think that Daniel Andrews will extend stage four restrictions in Melbourne past the school holidays? And do you think he will separate regional Victoria out of restrictions? Look, I think he's um, he's created a world of pain down there, partly uh, because of his indecisiveness in the first place and his lack of um, due diligence in, obviously, the hotel quarantine system and what I understand to be still a malfunctioning tracing testing uh, system that you know we, we need to be able to rely on and the evidence is not there that we can. Um, I think that uh, the problem that I have in um, the lack of lockdown, effective lockdown in Melbourne means that people are still traversing into our regional areas with very, um, very poor control, very poor um, scrutiny on where they've come from, whether they've had COVID tests, you know, where they've come from a hotspot. We don't know. Mm. We actually have no idea. There's no information. With regard to, you know, what, what he does in the hotspots, um, it's difficult to deny as necessary. Um, you know, people have not behaved 
I think most people have, but there are some people who have not behaved very responsibly in those hotspot areas and they need to be locked down. We understand that. But as for regional Victoria, as you know, Jade, I am not a fan of restrictions at stage three level. Mm. I do not believe there is justification. There's no medical evidence to support Nothing that has, we've asked for it, we've asked for the evidence, we've, nothing's been forthcoming. Mm. Uh, and we have three, three whole active cases in all of Mali, 82 square, no, thousand square kilometres. You know, it's, it's, an in, it's a third of the state. We have five cases. That's insane, it's isn't it? Well, it is insane. If we all just take a step back... Mm. And look at this in the cold, hard light of day. What is going on? Mm. Our economies are shut down. Our schools aren't operating. People can't visit families. Why? Why is this so? Why, why are we accepting this as being reasonable in a 21st century modern democracy? Why are we sitting here compliantly accepting this? What's the solution? How do we, do we just petition? Do we keep on the phone to our members like yourself? What, what's, what as community members is your advice for us to do? Look, I absolutely lobby everybody. Mm. Um, I think that media have got to understand that regional Victoria is not Melbourne. And, you know, I've been out on media saying this for some time and uh, I, I think that part of our issue is that media is so urban-centric. Yes. And uh, really, you know, getting their attention for our regional centres. We've got some attention in the last few weeks, and justifiably, uh, we have certainly got not, have not got enough. But I have been banging on doors for national papers, national radio, national television, because this is a national crisis. The way this... Uh, pandemic is now being managed, quote unquote, um, in regional centres, ought to be under a serious microscope. And I certainly hope as time goes by that it will be. Uh, it is unbelievably difficult for me to justify, and I don't have to, fortunately, because it's not part of my government um, thinking to justify the kinds of restrictions that we have been living with. And those restrictions have led to some real concerns now with, for example, I'm going to give you an example of the Robinvale Golf Club, and they will not be the only golf club in regional Victoria that have lost their major revenue stream um, because of stage three restrictions. Gaming's closed, bars, restaurants, and their entire clubhouse is now shut down. So they will not be able to afford to buy water this year. However, given the amount of rain that we've had and Goulburn Dam is full, Hume it were almost full, Dartmouth isn't far off it as well, allocations are still half. The Commonwealth environmental holder has carried over 320,000 megalitres this year. Now, my point is about the golf clubs that will really struggle to buy water to keep their greens and fairways green this year because of those restrictions, is there any thought now to the Commonwealth coming in and going, well, you know what, the Commonwealth Environmental Water Holder has all of this carryover water. We might be able to help regional Victoria out here and allocate some of that carryover to these clubs that are really struggling because of these unnecessary restrictions. 
well, I think that you raise a really interesting question. Um, I think that the human darkness are around about 60% at the moment, like Victoria is full. Mm. Uh, those storages are, of course, shared three ways. So, you know, we can't make assumptions about the totals that are available, even the totals that are evident. Uh, the state also have the control of that. That is not a federal mm. um, jurisdiction. The chew um, is under the same rules as the farmers and those who are buying water now. The chew sits under the same um, kind of, has bought the same product effectively. Mm. Uh, my The advice I'm given about the chew and carryover is that um, they would not be making it available because they have a tendency to carry over in order to use it um, at the appropriate time as opposed to an inappropriate time. If they didn't have carryover, which has been suggested to me, then they would have to use it before the year is out and it would not necessarily work in the best interest of the environment. I think it's a really complex issue and um, Minister Lay, Susan Lay, is certainly the one who needs to be answering some of these questions. Mm. Um, but and it would be worth having a conversation with her so that people can ask questions of her. Uh, yeah. I'm certainly happy to ask her. I'm certainly happy to put that before her. What about these recreation facilities such as golf clubs? Could the chew, you know, I mean, you could argue that it's in the environment's interest. The Commonwealth Environmental Water Holder has carried over water for the last four years. So surely now if the Commonwealth is holding some water there and it's obviously going to be a more complex issue than this because nothing's ever simple when it comes to the water industry, but if we have got recreational um, reserves, golf clubs, things like that that are beneficial for the environment and for regional and rural communities, surely this is a win-win situation here. Yeah. Look, I really like it. Um, and I'm more than happy, as I said, I will talk with Susan Lee about it, uh, about it because I think uh, it, given the whole complexity of what we're living with here, um, then I think that there's really good justification to at least consider it. So mm. I will raise it with her. I think, well, water, uh, two of the things that have come out of the ACCC report and um, I think people need to know what I'm fighting for is this. Split uh, of the MDBA. I am really pushing Minister um, Pitt, Keith Pitt, mm. to work hard at splitting the MDBA so that we don't have the uh, regulators marking their own homework and the, the providers, the operators of the Murray Darling Basin plan actually marking their own homework. I think that's really essential. You know, we, we, I have so many people who come to me saying they want um, transparency. They want some accountability on, on behalf of the bureaucrats as well as you know, the water trading system itself. So it's another issue. The other thing is that um, what is often raised with me is that we want no more buybacks, that farmers and those stakeholders in the industry are really still worried that the, that the Commonwealth may come in if the plan, if the targets in the plan are not reached and say, well, we'll buy back another 450 gig. And um, I really want our stakeholders and the farmers and producers to know that I'm really pushing very hard uh, to Minister Pitt to say that is just not on. We cannot do any more buybacks at all. No. And 
it depends on who you ask, on which side of the coin. I think I had a conversation about buybacks with um, a different group a couple of weeks ago and they were not opposed to buybacks. And I thought that's a very strange stance given given very recent history. I thought that was a very interesting stance to take. Yes. But, yeah. you know, everyone is entitled to their opinion. I've got a couple <laughs> of other um, questions from listeners that they've submitted to me this morning. Fred asks, driver training is not allowed, and this gets back to the state, and I know this is not your jurisdiction, but we'd love to hear your opinion on it. Driver training, not allowed, yet pilot training is. Yeah, no, nah, inconsistent. <laughs> I think, you know, what we should be aiming for with all of these, and look, honestly, don't even get me started on the inconsistencies from mm. uh, state regulations, but... Uh, inconsistency is what needs to be uh, confronted. Inconsistencies of yes to pilots, no to drivers, there's no sense. Mm. There's nothing sensible about that. Nobody in their right mind would say that that is a reasonable um, position for any government to take. No, and it's also not – it's putting, again, students who have really – just had the raw end of the stick this year and that's in the you know seeking out those giving another another kick in the guts to that age group that are going through vce more stressed than they normally are wanting to do driver training so they can get their license and they're not allowed to do that is just another kick in the guts for our students which and i really do feel sorry for them Look, it is the toughest year. No formals, no sports. So, yep. You know, I mean, how, how tough does it need to be? Mm. Getting your licence is just one of those markers in your life where you're growing in independence. It's a really important factor. and the, the rug really has been pulled out from underneath um, a lot of our year 11 and 12 students and I think that that's, that's just another one. It does not need to happen. No, another one would be uh, motocross is not allowed but horse racing is. Would that be because of the all the state revenue that's raised from gambling, TAB, sports bet and all that kind of thing? You've got to wonder, don't you? Yeah. I mean, could we have a little transparency in some of these decisions? That would be pretty wonderful, I mm. think. It just, it's so frustrating, again, when you see horse racing on television going about their business just without the crowds, and yet, you know, things like dirt works in Mildura are not allowed to open. It's just bizarre to me. Uh, there's a lot that's bizarre. And look, <laughs> let's face it, I, I, I don't know, uh, I know there are some, who feel because of they're so anxious that these restrictions should go on and on and on. This is not how we live our lives. Mm. And um, we need to be able to, as I said before, learn to live alongside COVID-19 because it's going to be hanging around, mm-hmm. around at the corner until we get a vaccine. So let's learn to live with it. Let's be responsible, but uh, let's not have these state-enforced controls where there is no need to have them. No. Uh, before we let you go and into question time, are you asking questions in Parliament and uh, what kind of questions are you asking today? I do have a question. I can give you a sneak preview. Please. Uh, it is to the Agricultural Minister. Will the Minister outline to the House what actions the Morrison-McCormack government is taking to ensure Australians remain safe, secure and resilient from natural disasters despite the challenges posed by COVID-19. 
That is a very broad question. I'll be interested to hear the minister's answer. Mm, I will too, and no doubt we'll be able to see it on your Facebook page later I'm on sure. at some stage. Yes. Well, we'll look forward to whether you get a response from Susan Lay regarding the uh, water yes. issue yes. with recreational clubs. We'll let you get to question time. Thank you for giving us some time today, and it's much, much appreciated, and thanks again. Always if you've a got a family, pleasure, you're probably as busy at home again. as you are at work which is why it's smart to rely on a Ford SUV to keep your family moving. Like the seven-seat Ford Everest Trent rear-wheel drive for only 55.990 drive away. Plus, get up to three years free scheduled servicing until September 30. So move it and get to your participating Ford dealer now. Recommended price. T's and C's apply. See Ford.com.au for details. Or go to the website, pineyford.com.au. There you go. Ah. You could do oh. that. Yeah, also, uh, another little SUV is uh, Endura. So good. Yeah, uh, you know what? I saw it driving around, the loan car that Piney Ford have got. I saw it driving around the streets today, and I thought you were in town because it's exactly the same as yours. Uh, this is a grey one, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is grey. What colour's yours? Blue. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glad I'm taking notice. Yeah. What else has been happening, Charlie, apart uh, from not much? Where, can we, where do we start? Do we want to go over what procedure you had last week? <laughs> it's, yeah, normal people have them, Jade. It's, well, uh, I mean. It could be yeah. a public service announcement for men's health. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think men know now that they need to go and get, have one uh, at a certain age. Well, you haven't, you haven't told us what you had done. I got the uh, colonoscopy. A colonoscopy. What age is it? that we should be going off to have the little well no see this is this is a camera it's not a finger <laughs> yeah, you were doing a, a finger thing it's not a finger you don't get a yeah. finger up there i know i know i know that but that, that was impersonating a camera i know it's not a finger they don't even do the the digital test for prostate anymore do they uh, good question because you have the blood test, but yeah, the blood they, test. they sometimes do do it still. <laughs> Depends on how much like, you like your doctor. Preference? I don't know. <laughs> how big their fingers are. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Um, yeah, but uh, well, I think it's uh, mainly because you get the kit at 50, which I'm not 50. I was going to say, you're not 50 yet. Have you been lying no. to us? No, no, you get the kit in the mail to send away a sample. And you're 50. Mm. Mm. So that's a government. That's their, they send you a present, your 50th birthday. That's a rotary thing, isn't it? The bowel scan? Uh, yeah, but I think it's in conjunction with... Yeah, I think it is. But it was a rotary project, a national or international rotary project, I think. Oh, good on them. There you go. Uh, so it comes around. But yeah, you can, if you see your doctor and he suggests it, get it done. It's not that hard. The prep wasn't that bad. You know how people talk about the prep, how you have to drink all that stuff? Yeah. It wasn't as bad as what uh, what people said. So, Is this a conversation you have often? What? About colonoscopies and such. About the prep. The prep for it. Yeah. So is you got to drink the stuff and mm. go to the toilet. Mm. Yeah, that's a common conversation, isn't it? Dunno, not in my service, <laughs> darling. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> you need to get out more, Jane. <laughs> Maybe I need to change my circle of friends. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. So are you healthy? Uh, yeah, I think so. Great. Well, that's mm. positive. 
yeah. something positive to take away this week, isn't it? Well, I'll get the results tomorrow, next day, whatever it is. But... Oh, right. Well, keep us updated then, won't you? I'm pretty sure I am. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, life in lockdown. How good's that? Yeah, it's not great, but the weather is starting to get really nice. It's, it's just going to be 20 tomorrow. Yeah, and it's supposed to be 23 on Friday. Nice. That's insane. So I went and had a chat to the um, border control people at the um, bridge and I was not and and still am not allowed to cross because I live outside of the two and a half K buffer zone. That will change in the next week, hopefully. Um, But I went to have a chat to them just about, you know, life on the border. They have set up quite the um, elaborate little village almost there now. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And like in the, when we had those really, really cold days, I felt so sorry for them because they're there all the time. Yeah. And there's Air Force there now too. Really? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's who I wanted to go and see. And I knew, I knew before I went over that any of the guys stationed there wouldn't be able to talk to the media, but I thought Uh, I'd ask anyway. But yeah, there's a whole crew of Air Force there at the moment. There you go. Hmm. What are you doing on your phone? I can see that you're not giving me your full undivided attention. Oh, no, I was just checking the weather. Just to... <laughs> well, sorry to keep you. No, no, Saturday's going to be good too. Is it? Yeah, no, Friday's going to be the, the bad day. It's going to be 19 degrees. Anyway, this is uh, the weather update with Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be so... Because when does this come out? Friday. Friday, Yeah. yeah. So people will be able to stay in and listen to the podcast and then know because of Charlie's weather <laughs> update. Yeah, don't even worry about going outside today, people. It's uh, <laughs> going to be shit. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. But there's no... Well, what can you even do on Saturday? Like, you can go out for a walk. There's yeah. nowhere open that you can go and sit for a coffee and... Oh, that's, the, that's the bit I really miss. I, I miss beer gardens and I miss just being able to go out for breakfast. Yeah. Well... Just going out in general. Have bre- yeah, going out for breakfast is a big one. Yeah, that's the mm. biggest because going out for breakfast is my favourite thing. Yeah, or lunch or brunch. Brunch is good. Brunch, yeah. yeah. Okay. Breakfast is a bit, bit too early for me. <laughs> really? Yeah. The well, long part, yeah. <laughs> this has gone oh, really good. We've gone from talking to fascism to uh, do you wake up digestive system? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we probably don't need to talk about that any <laughs> longer. What's uh, Saturday? Is Luke still doing runny stuff? Yes, stuff? he is. He hasn't. He had a week off. Um, he was really struggling oh, with motivation and was just, I think the whole, everything was just getting to him. So he had a week off. But the Saturday before he did 30, Two? 32 and he's got 35 or 38 or something ridiculous this weekend, which is the longest run that he has to do before the marathon itself, which they're now talking about. They don't, they're really anti having a virtual run. They want to have an actual event. So they're now actually thinking about extending it back out to November. Oh. Whether that will make an actual difference, I don't think it will. But, but that puts out everyone's training as well. Oh, it gives you an extra month. But, yeah, it does put it out a little bit. But I can't say that an extra month of preparation will do you any harm. Yeah, but, you know, when you're an elite athlete like Luke and you, you've, like, timed yourself to peak at that time, now he's going to have to be peaking for a bit longer. I don't think he'll mind. Um, no. Having said that, though, there's, we're halfway through the 42 push-up challenge. 
Yeah. So, and we Mark and Tina doing well. Yeah, they are. They're smashing it. Um, but we, we would like some more people to take part. And you can still register. Just go to the 42K for 42K website and register. And because we're halfway through, if you just want to do 20 push-ups a day, Charlie, do that. Get Harley. Oh, me. To, yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that funny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Um, yeah, so we've had a couple more donations come in, which is tremendous. And, yeah, we'll just keep you updated because there's not really much to report on at the moment during this whole lockdown thing. I think everyone's a bit fatigued and yeah. I think we'll leave it there. Charles, <laughs> All right. the rest of your day. I uh, will. I'll go to work tonight, so whatever. Well, go and have a nap first. Recover a bit. Yes. Yeah. Take some well, Telfast and enjoy yeah. it. Mm. Well, if I go to work with a runny nose, it's not going to be good. No, it's not going to be good or no. runny eyes or lack of a sense of smell because people yeah. tell that, you know. Yeah, and I'll say, oh, COVID. <laughs> Coronavirus, bloody Rona. Anyway, uh, yeah, so good times and uh, go to Piney Ford. And Southern Cross Business Advisors. Yeah, those guys too. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> now that you reminded me, I do have to ring them guys up, those guys up. How many don't you tax yet? No. Hmm, why not? Uh, you know, plenty of time for that. Mm, plenty of time for that. Don't need the tax return. All good. I don't get a tax return. Do you get a bill? Oh, we've yeah. had this conversation, haven't we? Yeah. Mm. That's why you haven't done your tax yet. I get yeah. it. That's fine. Surely Noel will be able to reduce that bill for you. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything more we can legally say about that. Yeah. I want to say something else, but I can't. <laughs> what about incriminating myself? Fair enough. Righto. Bye, Charlie. All right, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Vale Podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.